go. Okay, the title is Show Me the Money. Mark should have been on the 50-cent piece. But anyway, okay, so show me the money. God does not want us to worry about finances ever. It is very, very clear in God's Word. He doesn't want us to worry about anything. He doesn't want us to worry about our relationships, so He gives us biblical principles on how to handle relationships. He doesn't want us to worry about our jobs, so He gives us biblical principles on how to work and how, the, how God is our source and man is not our source. He doesn't want us to worry about our health, and so He teaches us what we should eat and how we should live. He doesn't want us to worry about money, just like every other area of our life. He expects us to honor Him in His Word when it comes to finances so we don't have anxiety about money. We're not always worried and not always in need. There are six principles we're going to learn, three today, three to next week. And the point of financial counseling, first and foremost, is to find out why you don't have money. I need to know. If you have come to me asking for money, I deserve to know why you don't have any. Do you not have any money because you cussed out your boss and you just cannot control your tongue? Do you not have any money because you're lazy and you show up late for work every other day and get fired? Do you not have any money because you think you are too good to work at McDonald's? Do you not have any money because you do not honor God financially and you don't give a rip what He says about money? Why don't you have money? If you're bold enough to come to me or somebody else and ask for money, then we should be bold enough to ask you why you don't have any. What took place in your life? What has happened? What choices have you made that have prevented you from being able to pay your bills? Um, there are two different reasons that people are poor, two different types of poverty. There is circumstantial and situational poverty, and there is relative poverty. Circumstantial and situational poverty is some tragedy took place in your life, and that's what happened. A hurricane came and knocked over your house, and that is very understandable. Maybe you didn't have flood insurance. Circumstantial and situational is that you had a death in your family. Your child passed away, or your spouse passed away, and you just, just don't even know what to do with your life, and you have not been able to pay your bills and go to work. Circumstantial and situational is um, something, some tragedy took place that was not foreseen was going to happen, and you were not prepared for it, and that's why you don't have money. And I understand that. And a lot of people believe that their situation is circumstantial or situational, but I find when I sit down with people that a lot of it is really just relative poverty. Relative poverty is this. You think because someone lives in a five-bedroom house and you live in a two-bedroom house that they should give you money. You think that because this guy over here works 60 hours a week and you only work 20 hours a week and you think this guy should give you money. Uh, relative poverty is this guy over here sacrificed. This guy worked hard. This guy used integrity. And you didn't do those things and you want that person to give you money. Because when you go to somebody and ask for money, you're saying this, whether you realize it or not, you're saying, I recognize that you did things in your life that I probably could have done, but I chose not to do it. I chose an easy way out. I chose what felt good. And so instead of me doing what you did, I just want you to give me what you have and what you earn. That's a lot of times what the situation is in life. So six principles on financial counseling. Three today, and the first three start with the word don't. Next three are going to start with the word do. Okay, here is the first one. Principle number one is this. Don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. The affirmative is use wisdom, spend wisely, 
the reason I use the negative is because a lot of times when people are so in dire need that they're going to not be able to feed their child or they're not going to be able to make their mortgage and things like that, sometimes you got to, when you sit down with them and find out what's going on, you got to shake them and rattle them a little bit and say, dude, don't be dumb. You've done something that's dumb. If you tell me you haven't done anything that's dumb and you come to me and I start to write you a check and hand you some money and we start talking and we figure out that you actually did do something dumb, I'm going to hold on to that check until you can recognize what it was you did. Because if you don't know the dumb thing that you did, you're going to do it again. If we sit down and we find out the dumb thing you did was that, you, that your boss offered you overtime but you didn't want to do it because you would rather go to a football game and now you need money, that was dumb. If the dumb thing you did was you spend $150 on beer every month and you can't pay your electric payment, that was dumb. And so we got to talk about this. And I'm not trying to be mean. I love you. I want to help you. But you have to repent for the dumb thing you did so you recognize it was dumb and won't do it again. Proverbs 17:16 says, There is no use for money in the hand of a fool who refuses to learn godly wisdom and has no common sense. See, I am not a bank. Solid Rock is not a mortgage company. We are a church. Therefore, we have to follow God's guidelines. And God just told me in His Word that I better not hand money to somebody who is a fool and unwilling to learn how to spend wisely. In everything God's given us, He expects us to use wisdom with that. If God entrusts you with a car and a driver's license and the ability to purchase a car... He expects you not to drink and drive, because that would be dumb. If God entrusts you with a marriage, He expects you not to talk down to that person or be negative towards them or always tell them what they're doing wrong, because that would be dumb. If God entrusts you with a job, He expects you to be there on time, work hard, and honor your boss, because if you don't, that would be that would be dumb. So we got to learn, what's the dumb thing that happened in your life that possibly got you to where you're at? People, a lot of times, they think that money is the answer. If I just had more money, if I had more money, everything would be okay. But if you study the lives of people who won the lottery, do you know that within five years they are back to being dirt poor? The reason had nothing to do with money. The reason was they were dumb. They did things that were not wise. Imagine today you're walking along the beach and you come across Aladdin's lamp. It's quiet in here. Y'all are okay, right? Like, what's in the... Aladdin's lamp, and you pick up Aladdin's lamp, and you start to rub it, and all of a sudden, Robin Williams comes flying out, the, the, the genie, right? The genie comes flying out the thing, and the genie says, I will grant you one wish, anything you want is yours. You know what we'd all say? Unlimited wishes, right? Okay, you can't say unlimited wishes. So, if the genie comes out and you can't say unlimited wishes, most of you would say this, I want a trillion dollars. Give me a trillion dollars, and everything will be great in my life. Do you know that that story actually took place in the Bible, minus Robin Williams and the genie part? But in 2 Chronicles 1, 6 through 12, it says that Solomon offered 1,000 burnt offerings to the Lord, and that night God came to him and said, anything you want, I'll give to you. I'll grant you one wish, whatever it is. Now before we go any further in the scripture, I want to point out that God appeared to Solomon the night that Solomon sacrificed financially. Remember a few weeks ago I talked to you about showing where your heart's at and it's your money in your mouth? Remember what you say and where you spend your money, that's where your heart really is? Notice, Solomon, if you, if you study the Scripture, as the king, he was only supposed to do, I think, about 100 burnt offerings. But he did 1,000. He sacrificed financially. 
That night God appeared to him and said, I'll give you anything you want. And Solomon out of his mouth said this, give me godly wisdom. God said, because this was in your, where? In your heart. God said, I discovered what's in your heart. You don't care about money. You don't care about, you want more of me. I saw it by where you put your money, and I saw it by what came out of your mouth. And God said, because this was in your heart, and you didn't ask for money, and you didn't ask for possessions, wisdom is granted to you, and I'll give you more money, more possessions than any other king that ever lived before you or after. Here's what God said, I will give money to the person who has wisdom. Uh, see, we think a lot of times that God doesn't want us. God wants you to have money. You got to understand, God wants you to have, You can't get through this world without having money. God wants to be your source for your income, for your source for everything, but He's not going to give money to somebody who does not know how to handle it properly. Um, years ago, um, I remember this one guy that came to me for financial counseling, and he needed $500 for his electric bill. He said, you know, he had a big family, he needed an electric bill. Uh, $500 is not, the electricity is going to get turned off. We really need it. He came to church. He was a regular member of our church. Now, I, the only time I ever email our bookkeeper and say, who is tithe? Is this person tithe? I only do that if they ask for money or if they ask to speak on a microphone. Those are the only two times that I ever ask the bookkeeper, does this person tithe? They want to talk. They want to have influence and talk behind a microphone or sing on a microphone. We're going to find out if their heart's here. Or if they ask for money, I'm going to find out, hey, are you on God's side with money or are you not on God's side with money? Because if you're opposing God financially, there's nothing I can do for you. And so I emailed the bookkeeper, and the bookkeeper said, no, this guy doesn't tithe. And I figured because no one that's ever been a faithful tither, no one has ever asked for money who faithfully tithed, not once. Is that a coincidence? I don't know, but we'll get there. Anyway, so this guy sits down with me. He says, I need $500 for electric bill. So I was going to write the check. He was a member of a church. He served and that kind of thing. And so um, I said, well, let's go over your budget real quick first. And so we went over his budget. Guess how much money he made a year? $150,000 a year. I about fell out of my chair. And I said, you make $3,000 a week? He said, yeah, and you know, we have this and this. So I said, let's look at your budget. Okay, he had two dogs that he loved. Guess how much money he spent every month on his two dogs? $1,000! A thousand dogs! I said, listen, I hear the word of the Lord saying to put those dogs on the ark and get them out and give them to Noah. You're asking, I said, buddy, I said, you want me to pay for your dogs? He said, no, no, I want you to pay for my electric. I said, no, you want me to pay for one of your dogs. You spend a thousand a month on two dogs. Five, give, away, give away one of those dogs to somebody that has the money to afford the dog and you won't need money for the electric. He did not see that. I said, buddy, kick this dog to the curb and then I'll give you, and then you got $500 for the electric bill. You know, but here's the, here's the problem. He thought he needed money. He needed wisdom. He just didn't understand. He just didn't know. Proverbs 1.3, God says, You rejected my help and my wisdom. Now you will eat the fruit of your own stupid choices. Listen, for those of you good-hearted people that want to bail everybody out of their problems, God wants all of us to reap the consequences of our stupid choices because sometimes that's the only way we can learn. If we only learned by me preaching wisdom, then all of us in this room would be like way up here and we'd be doing great and walking on water. But we're not like that. We're human. That's why not only do we need to be preached to and have wisdom, but we need to experience what it's like when we don't use wisdom. We need to. So number one, principle number one was don't be dumb. Principle number two was this. Don't be emotional. Do not be an emotional spender. Do not be an emotional giver. 
You don't give money to people because their sob story is really great. Because listen, I've heard some people that never give a sob story and they are struggling and they just don't want it. So you don't say, well, they asked me for money. So God was, the Bible says to give to the poor. The Bible does say give to the poor. You always, always open your hand to the poor. But biblical poverty is not, I don't have cable TV and the latest iPhone. That is not biblical poverty. Biblical poverty is when they were unable to work and had no food. Unable to work and had no food, that is the biblical poverty that we are to So listen, if I gave that guy $500, I want you to listen real close. If I gave that guy $500 that asked for it for his electric bill, that $500 could not be spent on the starving children in Jamaica that we sponsor. You understand that I can, I, money doesn't grow out of my Bible. So if I take it from this guy who was not willing to use wisdom, this guy who was not willing to handle finance, if I take it from him, that means, if, if I give it to him, that means I am taking it from a child that's starving who I could have given it to. You know, when you ask your parents for money for a t-shirt or a new pair of pants, you have to understand, that t-shirt, they could have bought that for themselves. They worked, they tied, they honored God, they, they had integrity. They could have spent that money on themselves, but when they give it to you, that means they took it from what they could have used it on and given it to you. So when someone gives you money to go out to eat, they could have used that on themselves. So you've got to be aware, people are sacrificing. So don't always go to the ones that are... You need to start sacrificing yourself a little bit. Don't be emotional. Hebrews 12.11 says, Discipline at the time seems painful, but afterwards, it actually makes peace in your life. If you want to lay down and sleep peaceful at night and not worry about, about money all the time, then you need to learn how to have some discipline in your life. You know, I know you say things like, um, well, John Paul, I know this millionaire and he doesn't go to church or tithe or honor God financially. You're right. And he worries about money every single second of his life. I know people that have millions and millions of dollars and they can't sleep at night because they're worried about $10 that somebody ripped them off. Their heart is consumed with money. God's destiny for your life is that you fulfill the plan God has for you without ever worrying about finances. We're not all called to be King David and live in a palace, but thank God we're also not all called to be Noah living in a boat with our relatives and a bunch of animals. Thank God you're not on a boat with an ass next to you and an animal as well. So remember, just your relatives. Okay, anyway, here we go. So, um, okay, let me tell you something that you're going to remember the rest of your life, okay? This is, this is the point you're going to remember forever and ever and ever. If you can't afford it, God don't want you to have it. Listen, really, if you can't afford the faith is not a financial plan. Hope is not a financial plan. Don't say, well, you know what? I feel like God's telling me to buy this and the money will just come in next month. That's not how it works. Nowhere in the Bible do you see that they used faith for finances. They used work and wisdom for finances. So if you go out and buy something, you better make sure you have the money to pay for it because your credit score is your integrity. The reason you're coming to me asking for money, and listen, let me just say this. I love all of y'all. I love sitting down and helping you financially. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. But this type of topic, i got to be a little bit strong with you so you get the picture, okay? Um, if you can't afford it, God doesn't want you to have it. If you, if you go out and buy it, you better have the money to pay for it. In other words, don't, don't walk into a store at the mall if you don't have the discipline to say no to something that you can't afford. If you can't afford the, the Chevrolet, then drive a Pinto until you can't afford the Chevrolet. 
If you can't afford a three-bedroom apartment, live in a one-bedroom apartment. You say, I got five kids. How can I live in a one-bedroom apartment? I'll send you to Jamaica for one week, and when you come back, you will thank God for a one-bedroom apartment that has air conditioning and running water and hot water in there as well. Somebody was willing to sacrifice so they could have finances. Instead of going to them for money, you should do the same thing that they are doing. Don't go to a place if you cannot say no to what's in there and you feel like you have to always buy. Don't go to a bar. If you, can't, if you go to a bar and you've spent even $5 on alcohol and you come to me asking for $100 for your electric, you better ask me for $95 because that $5 you spent on alcohol, you could have spent on your electric bill. You see the difference? I, tell, I told Jordan, I said, Jordan, don't walk into the gap if you cannot walk out without buying a shirt. I tell Mark, don't walk into the baby gap if you cannot go in there without buying a shirt. Okay, here's what your, here's what your budget should look like. Here's what everyone's budget should look like, okay? There's, most of the time, there's four weeks in a month. If you get paid, let's, let me use 1000 because it's a good round number. If your household brings in $1,000 a month, the first 10% goes to God, so you got 900 left over. So here's what your budget should look like. $900 should be your rent or mortgage. Uh, $900 should be your car, your insurance, your gas. $900 should be your groceries, your toiletries, your clothes. $900 can be your phone and your utilities and, and internet and things like that, cable television. If there's a fifth week in the month, then you get to be entertained that month. Otherwise, you don't get to be entertained that month. Your budget should be just, this is what your budget, now let's say if your rent's 1000 and your car insurance and gas is 800 then it balances itself out. You understand numbers? This is pretty much what a budget should look like when you sit down. If you're writing this or listening to this CD, week one is rent, week two is car insurance and gas, week three is groceries, utilities, uh, uh, groceries, um, toiletries and things like that, week four is phone and utilities, and if there's a fifth week then you get to be entertained. Here's my question. How do people come from other countries into this country? They don't hardly even speak the language. They make minimum wage and they never are financially in need. Do you know that in 10 years of doing financial counseling, not one Mexican, not one European, and not one Asian has ever asked for money? 100% are Americans, and listen to this, 85% are white Americans. So in case you have any kind of racial barriers in your mind, 85% of all white Americans, come, 85% out of the 100% are asking for money. 85% white. Here's another point I want to tell you. God is not an American. Just so you're aware, God does not care if you have cable TV or no cable TV. I have not had cable TV for years and I'm doing okay. Uh, let me ask you this. Is the latest iPhone a luxury or a necessity? It's a luxury. So if you have the latest iPhone, don't come asking me for money. You need a flip phone or you need a bag phone. You need to carry a big old bag with you everywhere you go. Then you'll learn how to save some money. Is Pepsi, Cola, and beer a luxury or a necessity? A luxury. Do you know that I have such a passion for financial counseling that in the year 2010, from January to December, the only liquid I drank was tap water. I just tried it to see what would happen. I tried to make my family do it as well. They hated me that year. But either way, I did it. If I drank milk, chocolate milk, orange juice, tea, it was because somebody took me out to eat. But I did not spend one penny for one full year on any liquid other than tap water. Do you know I saved over $1,500 in that one year? Over $100 a month I saved by me drinking tap water and trying to get my kids and my family to do it as well. So if you came to me and asked for money in 2010, 
and you're holding a Mountain Dew in your hand, you know what I told you to do? I would say you need to dump that out and fill it up with tap water and take it everywhere you go because that is your hydration for the year. If I can do it, you can do it. Because when you come to me and ask for money, here, I sacrifice. So you want me to not drink Pepsi and Mountain Dew so that I can give you money? Um, we give people money who have wisdom. We give people money who don't spend emotionally. If you have a refrigerator, you are in the top 10% of the world's wealthiest people. If you own a refrigerator, listen, you're rich. You are rich, and there's something that you need to change in your life. Amen? Genesis 25, Esau was incredibly hungry. Esau, um, he saw his brother over there making some food. He was starving. And so in verse 30, Esau said this, Give me some stew. I'm, what's that word? Starved. Do you know every time somebody asks for money, and man, you know what, next week I might bring you the church phone because there's like 500 messages on there. And it's so funny because when people go down the list to call churches, they'll call back and not realize it's the same church. And they'll get the same story. And I'll, I like to do different I like I like to do like an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression on one of them, and then I'll do a different. And I just get, and I say, listen, y'all meet me. I say I'll give you a hundred dollars if you'll sit down with me on Sunday, and they won't show up. A hundred dollars for a Sunday morning, and they still won't show up. That's why this CD helps me figure out who's trying to rip me off and who really wants to change. Because I got people that have changed and become a great productive member of society through our financial counseling. Um, so Esau said, give me some food. Every phone call is, I'm starving. I'm going to lose my house. And then I hear this one all the time. My children are going to get taken away from me if you don't help me today. And you know what I say? Your child needs to get taken away from you. Even though that sounds very harsh, your child gets taken away from you one time, you will never do what you've done again. I promise you. When you have your child taken away from you one time, your whole life will change and you'll be back on track. And if not, then your child needs to go to a family that is willing to sacrifice and do what it takes to take care of the child. Anyway. Give me some food. I'm starving. I need food. So here's what his brother said. He said, listen, I'll give you some stew if you give me your birthright. That was his 401k. It was going to cost a lot of money. It was a fortune. But all Esau wanted was what will make him happy right now. He saw the advertisement on TV. He wanted to buy it today. He saw this particular house. He had to buy it right now. He wanted this. He, had to, he didn't care about what was in the bank. He didn't care about tomorrow. He only cared about his emotional needs at the moment. And so he got the stew, gave his birthright in verse 33, sold his birthright for some bread and stew, and lost everything. Now here's what I want you to see. In the middle of this story, God puts a verse that forever changed my mindset. This is amazing. In verse 27, here's what the Bible, just out of the blue, it says this. Esau was an expert hunter and a skilled outdoorsman. In other words, he wasn't starving. He was just lazy. He could have gone out and worked. He could have killed. He was actually a better hunter than his brother was. But he didn't want to do the work. He didn't want to sacrifice. He didn't want to do the job. And so Esau chose to satisfy a short-term craving for a lifetime of blessings. You know how many people today are so sorry they bought something? They are so sorry. They cannot believe they wasted money on that thing. They thought it was going to make them happy and change their life. It didn't. It ruined their life. So here we are. Principle number three is this. Don't be disobedient. Don't be disobedient. So when I sit down with somebody and I do financial counseling, if I give them $100, I immediately, I watch them. I say, you need to take the first $10. 
I need to either put it in the box here at our church, if you're a member of this church or you come to this church, or you need to tell me which church you're a part of. Because I need to get your heart in the kingdom of God because you need family members, you need support, you need encouragement, you need Jesus. And the first 10% of our income always goes to our local storehouse. And so when I give them $500, we take 50 out immediately and it goes into a church somewhere. You can give online somewhere. I don't care what church you choose, but you got to put it into a church. Here's why I do that. I cannot find one place in the entire Bible where we can disobey God and have His blessing in that area. I can't find it. I've searched for it. Can't find it. If, um, if, 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 if you disobey God in the area of a relationship, there's no way, no way you'll have God's blessing until you repent and do it right. I don't care how much you jiggle and do a Holy Ghost dance. I don't care how many hours you speak in tongues. I don't care how much money you give. If you're having sex outside of marriage, there's no possible way God will bless that relationship. He wants to so bad, but he just can't do it because he can't go against his word. I don't care how much you hate your boss or you despise where you work at. If you don't honor the authority figures in your life, God cannot bless that area of your life because it's biblical to honor the authority God's put in our life. If you're here today and you're cussing out the president and the president's so awful and I can't stand this country, I'm telling you, something's going to happen in your life. Hopefully God kicks you to another country, does something to you. But you cannot dishonor. I don't care if it's Hillary, Clinton, I don't care who it is. I don't care who the president is. When you dishonor the authority in your life, God cannot bless you in that area. He cannot bless you. And so if you don't honor God financially, how do you expect to get godly wisdom in an area that you do not put God first in. I just don't understand that thinking. Deuteronomy 28.2 says, If you fully obey the voice of the Lord, all these blessings will overtake you. And one of them is this. You'll have plenty of money to lend and not borrow. Don't you want to be a lender and not a borrower in life? That should be our goal. Um, last story is uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, this, this, this widow woman and her son, her husband had passed away. Um, they were living in a city where there was a drought. There was a famine. In other words, everybody around them didn't have, nobody had money. You couldn't go to a bank. You couldn't go to a church. Nobody had money. Everybody's dying of hunger. That's how poor they were. And the prophet Elijah came through the town and he met this widow woman and she knew that he was a prophet of God. And in 1 Kings 17, 13, he said, fear not. In other words, don't worry about money. Don't worry about provision. Don't be afraid you're not going to have enough. Here's what you do so you will never have to worry about money again. The Lord said to make me a small loaf of bread first, and then you and your son can eat what's left. Now, the prophet represents God, not the pastor. Okay, just so we get out of your notes. This is not the pastor, this is God. And he said, if you will put God first, then all your needs will be taken care of. I'm sure she thought, who the blankety blank does this guy think he is? We're starving, we don't have nothing left. And then I believe in her head she had this, I believe that she processed it like this. We're probably going to starve anyway. We're probably going to lose our house to the bank anyway. We're probably not going to make ends meet. And we say, you know what? I might as well just try to put God first and just see what happens. Because either way, if, if, if I don't put God first, I'm not going to have enough anyway. So I might as well put God first just to see what takes place. And so she made her, she made the prophet the, the last little bit of bread they had, the flour and the oil they had. She made a little bit, and he ate what was there, and the crumbs left over. Her and her son ate the crumbs, and that was it. Nothing left. And the next day, the, the woman, her stomach's grumbling, and she's thinking, I guess today's the day we're going to start dying. And she walks by the kitchen, 
and she sees the flower pot, and there's still some flour in there. She sees that jar of oil, and there's still some oil in there. She says, I thought I used all that for the prophet the other day. So she makes some more bread, and this time her and her son eat all that bread, and now it's empty, and it's done. And later on that night, before she sits down to watch NCIS, she thinks, man, I'm hungry again, and I don't know what to do. And she walked by the kitchen, and there was still some flour in the pot. And she looked at the oil. There was still some oil in there. She thought, I thought for sure we ate that. So she made some more bread. Her and her son ate that. Then the next day, on and on in verse 16, according to the word of the Lord. Listen, not according to the president, not according to your boss, not according to whoever you think is your source, but according to the word of the Lord, she did not run out of flour and oil. And that's what happens when we put God first. Putting God first, you'll always have more than enough. Um... My, I've had the privilege of having all four of my grandparents alive most of my, most of my adult life. But my, my, I, have, I have one left. Um, my mom's parents and my dad's parents were all alive and doing great until just a few years ago. And um, one left, my nana's left. But my dad's parents, my granddad and my grandma, um, when, when they died, they died millionaires. They're they millionaires. And they, they left money to us grandkids and stuff. Um, my granddad... Never had an education. He could not read or write. Could not read or write. I remember when my grandma told me that, I was an adult. She said, she let me know, you know, she told me the story of their life. And she said, you know, your granddad, he never, never went to school, couldn't read or write. And I said, Grandma, he's always carrying around his Bible. And he always has a newspaper in his hand when I come to the house. She said, honey, he does that to pretend so that people don't know he can't read. She said, sometimes it feels good for him to just have his Bible there. The only thing my granddad could write was his name. That's all he could write. He could just sign his name on check. That's it. He spent his whole life working hard. He used integrity. He honored his authority figures. But one thing he always did without a shadow of a doubt, he always put God first. And not just the tithe, not 10%. 20%, sometimes 30%. He, paid, he gave millions of dollars to ministries all over the world. When he was really old, but just a few years before death, he got Alzheimer's really, really, really bad. And um, one day we were at the house, and my dad was walking by, and, and his father, my granddad, grabbed a hold of his hand and said, Wayne, let's come here and sit down, son. Come sit down. My dad said, what is it, Dad? And he said, I need to talk to you for a minute. And man, tears were just flowing. I mean, he was just crying uncontrollably. He said, Wayne, he said, son, I... I I know you like to travel around the world. He says, but I got to tell you, when you travel, if you ever come across Jesus, if you ever see Jesus in all of your traveling, he said, I need you to tell him how thankful I am that he always took care of me and your mom. That was it. My dad said, you tell Jesus, he walked away. I remember thinking years later, my granddad didn't say, you tell Jesus, I worked hard for everything I got. You tell Jesus, I sacrificed and I didn't spend emotionally. I always made good decisions. You tell Jesus that I did this and this and this and this for people. He contributed, even the fact that he was able to work, he contributed all to God. He always saw God as his source. 